You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, for the past few weeks, we've been in this series called The Road to Redemption. And what we've been doing for the past few weeks is we've really been preparing our hearts for this week, for this weekend, as we've come into this most sacred time of year for Christians all over the world. And and tonight, the road to redemption leads us to the cross, the place where Jesus paid for our sins, just like we sang about a moment ago. The, The place where Jesus paid for our sins by making the ultimate sacrifice. Now, let me just talk to you for a moment about this word, Redemption. I like that word, redemption. Come on, we're kind of fond of that that word around here at our church. But the biblical concept of redemption involves deliverance from bondage based on the payment of a price by a redeemer. And so there's kind of a buying and selling idea here, kind of a financial transaction. For example, in the Old Testament, someone could pay the price to redeem a slave and set them free. I'm going to pay this price and redeem this slave so that they could, they could be free. So everyone in Jesus' time understood this concept of, of redemption, that redemption requires the payment of a price. Then we get, to, we get to the New Testament and the apostles and those who followed Jesus and those who were witness to, witnesses to his life, those who had a front row to his ministry, to his death and his resurrection, the writers of the New Testament, they make a bold claim that's really good news for you and me on this Good Friday. And here's the claim that they make, that Jesus has paid the price for our sins and set us free from the bondage of sin and death by his resurrection. Come on, by going to the cross and by his resurrection. Here's the idea. Jesus took the road to the cross so that we could take the road to redemption. Jesus took our place. He suffered in our place. He took our punishment. He took the road to the cross, the path of self-sacrifice so that you and me could take the road to redemption. And so when we consider what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, that's what makes Good Friday good. How many of you know it wasn't very good for Jesus, what he endured? But when we consider what he accomplished for us, that's why we can call this day Good Friday. And that's what I want to do tonight. I want to just take a few moments for us to consider what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross that very first Good Friday. I want us to look at a scripture where the Apostle Paul describes this very thing. Paul describes what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And it comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Let me read it for you. It says, You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So Paul's writing to the Colossians. He's describing like the the splendor of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. And I believe under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these words are for us 
tonight. And so I want us just to take a moment to read through this description of what Jesus accomplished. So many times we think about the physical realities of the cross. And many of you have been to a Good Friday service where maybe a pastor or a priest described in vivid detail what happened to someone as they were being crucified. And certainly it was horrific. And certainly we should honor and remember the sacrifice. But I want to focus tonight on what was accomplished in the heavenlies. I want to focus on what was accomplished in the spiritual realm that changes our lives, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Three things that died with Christ on the cross that very first Good Friday. Number one, your death died with Jesus. Your death died with Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 13, Paul says this, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. Paul says you were dead because of your sins. What does that mean? Like you were dead meat, like God's going to send a lightning bolt to kill you or something like that? No, thank God that's not what it means. Paul's talking about spiritual death here. He says, you were, you were spiritually dead. You were dead because of your sins. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? Well, a simple definition is this. It's to be separated from God by your sins. God is a holy and righteous God. He can have nothing to do with sin. And so the problem is we have a sinful nature. We have this magnetic pull in our lives that leads us toward making sinful and broken decisions that cause a separation between us and God the Father. Let me just give you a visual image tonight that you can meditate on, okay? In Jesus' time, the, the temple in Jerusalem was the place where the people of God went to experience the presence of God. In, in the Jewish mindset, the temple was the place where heaven and earth overlapped. And inside of the temple, there were these series of courts, but when you got to the very center, the most holy place of, of, of the temple was literally a, a chamber called the most holy place or the holy of holies. And this is the place where God's presence presence dwelled. Every year, only once a year, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies and make atonement for the people's sins on, on the Day of Atonement. It was such a sacred place that no one could even stand to go into this place except the high priest once a year, and they worried that he would die in the presence of, of God. The gospel writers tell us, and we sang about it, and we heard it read in the scripture earlier, that the moment Jesus died, the curtain that separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple was torn in two, symbolizing that there was no more separation between us and God the Father. Come on, our sins no longer separate us. Jesus made a way for us to have relationship with God the Father. We have access. We can go into the very presence of God. There's nothing that separates you. There's no hoops you have to jump through. You can have that kind of relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. On the cross, Jesus destroyed your spiritual death. He ended your separation from God. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 1 verses 9 through 10. He says, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's what Jesus Christ has done. Your death died on the cross. Your spiritual death died on the cross with Jesus Christ. Now, Paul goes on to say this in verse 13, then God made you alive with Christ. Come on, Jesus made you spiritually alive. Uh, I've read about people who have had near-death experiences. Have you ever read about this before? Someone who sur survived a horrific accident, or maybe they su survived a natural disaster, or maybe somebody who, in a sense, like died on the operating table and kind of had the, the tunnel and the white light experience. And when they come back, 
They always have a new perspective on life. Have you heard about this before? Have you read about this? These people come back and they have a new sense of purpose and a new sense of meaning and a new sense of gratitude because they had this near-death experience. Church, you and me, we had a spiritual near-death experience, and now we live with a new perspective of what God has done for us. Come on, we have a new perspective of his goodness, of his grace, of his love, of his mercy, of his, his presence, his ways. We're spiritually alive, no longer going through life feeling like God is miles away, no longer going through life feeling like we, we can't be good enough or how could we possibly have a relationship with, with God. No, no, no. Christianity is not about bad people made good. It's about dead people made alive, resuscitated, brought back to life spiritually. We're no longer separated from God, no longer trying to go through life without him, but you can know his presence. You can know his presence in a greater way than any of those people who had to go to a temple, who had to make a, a pilgrimage up to the temple, you, can, you have access into the throne room of God because of what Jesus did. Your death died on the cross with Jesus. Number two, number two, your debt died with Jesus. Your debt died with Jesus. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Does that mean my student loans are canceled? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Can I get an amen? Somebody, some young professionals in the house said, preach, Pastor. <laughs> Let's talk about what that means. What is Paul talking about? Paul says you, you were spiritually dead in, in your sins, but God made you alive with Christ. How? Look at verse 13 and 14. It says, he, Jesus, forgave all of our sins. He, he canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Like your debt died with Jesus. The NIV translation puts it this way. Verse 14, it says, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. So Paul gives us a really brilliant analogy here. He says, when Jesus forgave you of your sins, it was like canceling an IOU. It was like canceling a debt. You see, the word translated charge here from, from the Greek is the word chirographon, which literally means a handwritten certificate of debt. This is like an invoice or, or, or a bill. Let me give you this illustration. Okay, how many of you have credit cards? We really can't live without them in this digital world that we live in today, right? Now, when you got that credit card, at some point in time, you filled out an application, whether it was online or whatever, right? And you may not have read the fine print, but how many of you know the fine, in the fine print, you agreed to pay back the bank that issued that card for whatever goods and services you charged to that card? You didn't expect to get those goods and services for free. And if you did, you had a rude awakening when you got that first credit card statement, right? You agreed to pay, pay back whatever goods and services you charged on that card. And in, in the fine print, that, that was essentially an IOU. You, you signed on for an IOU, and we all acknowledged that the IOU requires a penalty for non-payment. If you don't pay that credit card statement on time, what happens? There's a penalty. You get charged fees, a higher interest rate, right? They show up and take your firstborn child. I mean, who knows what they do, right? Depending on what's in the, in the fine print. But there's a penalty for non-payment. That, that is the, the picture right there. So before Christ, Paul says we were in, we were in spiritual bankruptcy. Because how many of you know you string enough non-payments together and you end up in bankruptcy? Paul says we were in spiritual bankruptcy. And the penalty for default, for not being able to pay, is death. Paul says in Romans the wages of sin is death. Like the results of your non-payment as it's stacked up against you is literally death. 
Before Christ for, forgave your sins, you had racked up quite an invoice. All right, let me give you this analogy. You ever go out to a restaurant with some friends, you know, and you're feeling really generous, like you're paying, it's your night to pay, you're taking your friend out for their birthday, right, and like, I got it, give me the bill. And when you get the bill, your heart sinks a little bit. Because you lost track of how many drinks everybody had, how many appetizers. You're like, oh, my gosh, they ran up the bill. You didn't even realize it. And what do you start doing? You start itemizing the bill. You start going through, like, there's no way we spent that much. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? See, here's the point. You have a bill for your sins. You, you have an invoice for your sins, and it goes on for miles Every sinful thought, every sinful action, every, every, every bit of bitterness, every hurtful thing you've ever done to, to someone else, and you could never pay for it on your own. But Paul tells us the good news is that Jesus canceled our debt on the cross so that your sin debt now reads paid in full. Come on, you went from spiritual bankruptcy to paid in full. That's what Jesus has done. And verse 14 says, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. That, that's another visual imagery here because when the Romans crucified someone, they nailed up a charge on the cross. So if you were a, a, a thief or an insurrectionist, whatever, whatever crime you were being charged for, you were publicly shamed so that Rome could make an example of you. There it was right there, the charge against you. If you remember Pontius Pilate, right, the, the Roman authority, he had a sign made for Jesus that said the king of the Jews. Ironically, Jesus was being crucified for being exactly who he claimed to be, exactly who he was, the king of the Jews. So Paul says this, that Jesus took the list of, of your sins. Come on, everything you were accused of, your pride, your anger, your lust, your bitterness, your unforgiveness, and Jesus literally nailed it to the cross. Come on, that list no longer defines you. It's been nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. Paul says... In 2 Corinthians, Jesus, he who, who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, not only do those things no longer define you, your sins, your failures, your brokenness, not only do those things no longer define you, but in Christ, he calls you the righteousness of God because of what he's done. Your, your debt died on the cross with Jesus. And then number three, your darkness died with Christ. Come on, we're talking about what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Your death died, your debt died, your darkness died with Christ. Now, what do I mean by, by darkness? Well, I'm talking about the forces of spiritual darkness that would try to come against you and try to have influence over you. Talking about spiritual darkness, look at what Paul said in Colossians 2, verse 15. He says, in, in this way, as he went to the cross, as he took on your sin, as he took on your shame, in this way, something else was going on. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Your darkness died with Christ. Paul says that Jesus not only defeated your sin and your guilt and, and your shame, but, but he also broke the power of Satan. And any spiritual forces of darkness that would try to come against you. 
what does that look like? What, what does this look like, this idea of the, the, the spiritual forces of darkness trying to come against us? Well, often the enemy of our souls often tries to, to lie to us and, and, and deceive us in order to win influence over us. And this comes in many different shapes and many different forms. This may be a false belief or a, 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 a lie that we've believed about ourselves that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm a failure, I'm a, I'm a sinner, I'm never going to be the person God called me to be. This might be the lie of materialism, that the more stuff I'm gonna, I can buy, the happier I'm going to be. It might be lust. It might be fear. It might be a manipulative person who comes into your life. Anything that tries to dominate your life, anything that tries to win influence over your heart and your mind, that's not of God. It's spiritual darkness. Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Come on, many days it feels like flesh and blood, but there's a spiritual battle happening in our lives. And here's what Paul says. He says that Jesus exposed the enemy as powerless with his victory on the cross. Come on, this is the the secret wisdom of the cross. Just when it seemed like darkness was triumphing, just as Jesus was was dying, when it seemed like, like darkness was having victory, Jesus was undoing the power of darkness. Jesus said, go ahead and throw everything you've got at me. You can even throw the cross at me. You can throw death at me. You can throw the tomb at me, but I'm about to undo this in three days. So throw everything you have at me because I'm breaking the power of darkness. He absorbed it. He took it into himself. And Paul goes on to say this. He shamed them, the enemy. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Come on, Jesus doesn't just win, but he gloats over the enemy. And here's the imagery in the, in the initial, in the original language in Greek. The, the imagery is that of a, of a Roman triumphal procession. You see, in Roman times, when the Roman generals would go off to fight some war, you know, maybe against some people who were trying to make war against the Roman Empire or somebody who, who was rebelling against the empire, when the, Ro- when the Roman generals were victorious in, in battle, they would come back and they would lead the captives through the city streets for the citizens to see as evidence of complete victory. It, it was their way of shaming their enemies but it was also a way of saying to all of the citizens of, of, of Rome, we, we want to put on display these people who are a threat to you. You see, these, these people who represent a threat to Rome and our power, you see these people who you, you heard rumors about and you were a little bit unsettled about them and you had some fears about this distant people who were trying to attack Rome. Like We want to show you they're completely and utterly conquered and powerless. Come on, here's what Paul says. This is what Jesus does. Jesus takes the enemy and literally parades him in front of us and says, look, I want you to see everything you feared, everything you worried about, everything that kept you up at night. It's completely defeated and powerless. And so here's the idea. If Jesus defeated the enemy on the cross, then darkness has no real power over your life. Come on, it's only the illusion of power. The enemy's a deceiver. He just deceives us into believing that he has real power over our lives. If Jesus defeated darkness on the cross, what can come against you? Come on, what can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Your past, that addiction, that voice in your head that tells you that you're never going to measure up. Fear, depression, anxiety, like nothing has power over you. Here's the idea, church. There's no power over you that's greater than the power of Christ on the inside of you. Come on, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. 
if we really believe what we profess to believe on Good Friday, what we sing about, what we amen about, then we know that there's really no power over us that's greater than the power of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. It only has power if we give it power because Jesus has defeated the power of darkness over your life. And so what Jesus accomplished on the cross is what makes Good Friday good. Come on, he took on our sin. He took on our shame. He took our place. It was awful for him, but it's the reason why we can call it good for us. At the cross, your death died with Jesus. There is no more separation between you and God. Nothing can separate you. Come on, neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor height. Nothing, nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God which is for you in Christ Jesus. Your, your debt died with Jesus. Come on, he erased your debt. Your debt is paid in full. You're no longer in spiritual bankruptcy. Your darkness died with Jesus. Jesus broke the power of darkness off of your life. Come on, if you've been in a season where you feel like you've been walking in darkness, we want to declare freedom over your life tonight. Freedom through the power of the cross. We can experience the power of what Jesus did for us afresh tonight on this Good Friday. So I want to invite you to stand with me. In just a moment, we're going to receive communion. If you're watching online, maybe you want to take a moment to prepare your elements now, some bread and juice, some crackers, some wine. Go ahead and get that prepared. But we want to just take a moment just a moment to bow our heads and our hearts and to reflect on the cross tonight. Come on, on this Good Friday, just to take a few moments to make this personal, to recognize what Jesus did for you. I, I know we preach about it. I know we sing about it. I, I know we hear about the cross all throughout the year, but just to take a moment tonight and to make it personal, to think about those areas of our lives that are broken that we can't fix, the parts of our lives that we wish we could just snap our fingers and, and change it about us, but we know we can. It's, there's no other word for it. It's a powerful word called, called sin. It's brokenness in our lives. Jesus went to the cross so that you no longer have to be defined by sin. Your guilt, your shame, what's broken about you, which you could never fix for yourself, no longer defines you, but he calls you son. He calls you daughter. He calls you his child because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so we take a moment just to have gratitude. Jesus, we give you thanks. Jesus, we give you thanks for what you did for us on the cross. Make it real to us tonight all over again. The mountain of debt that we had racked up that we could never pay for, we could never do enough good works. But Jesus, you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You gave yourself for us. We thank you tonight. We thank you tonight. And we say, cover us by your grace, Jesus. Cover us by your grace. Thank you for the power of the cross. Thank you that, God, we can have a relationship with you. We can know you. We can be forgiven. And we can walk in freedom. And now as we're praying tonight, I want to pray for the person in this place. But you would say, Pastor Jeremy, I want to know God that way. I want to have that kind of relationship with him. I've felt so far away from him. I have felt so weighed down and, and heavy by 
the list of things that you described, it's like it hangs over my head. I try to be a good person. I try to, to do good to others. But so many times I, I feel like I come up short. So many times I, I can't even live up to who I aspire to be. And I recognize tonight that I, I cannot fix myself. And there is a list of decisions and failures and brokenness and things that I've done to hurt others and let people down. And I recognize tonight that it's my sin that separates me from God. I want to have a relationship with him. If that's you, if there's something tugging on your heart, we believe that is the, the gentle tugging of a loving God who is drawing you to himself by his spirit tonight. And tonight can be your night to say, Jesus, I place my faith in you. I place my faith in you. I want to trust you. I want to trust you. If that's you, just pray that with me. Jesus, I place my faith in you. I place my trust in you. I believe you are who you said you are, the Son of God, that you lived for me, that you died for my sins on the cross, and you resurrected to give me new life. And I turn from my sin, and I turn to you today, and I place my faith in you, and I call you Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you for every person who prayed that prayer tonight for the first time for the hundredth time. Father, I thank you that your spirit testifies to their spirit that they are forgiven, born again, welcomed home, never the same. We give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Come on, can somebody put your hands together and give God some praise in this place tonight for what he's done. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.